glad you're here. When I was 18 years old, I went to Venezuela for the first time. And the language that I had been studying in books became alive. Like I realized they actually bought groceries using that language. It wasn't just something in a textbook. And so I went with Harding University and one of the evangelistic campaigns was Ava Pondy and for those of you that know some of those names and some of those people, and was there for a month with the group. And then I stayed an extra three weeks to help with all the follow-up from all the contacts that we had made during the campaign. So during those three weeks, there were three of us that stayed. There was a girl that got salmonella poisoning. Mm. So she was in bed most of that time. <laughs> there was a guy that could barely say, hola. It was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And me. <laughs> who, there's an expression in Spanish that you kind of tore it up really well. So that's where I was with the language at that point. But we went, and he and I kind of had an agreement that if we were going to deliver the course to a man, he would talk and I would translate. And then if we were going to deliver it to a woman, I would talk with her, and he would just sit there and sip the Venezuelan coffee we'd all drink away. <laughs> Worked out great. Well, one particular time, I remember very clearly we went and delivered the course to this woman, and she asked me a question, and I panicked. I panicked so much that I can almost describe for you the pattern of the couch that she and I were sitting on. Like it was that much of an emotional <gasps> <laughs> So I shot up what I call a bullet prayer, help! <laughs> and the spirit took over. I opened my mouth and answered her in the most biblically sound and eloquent Spanish that had not ever come out of my mouth before. The Holy Spirit hooked me and helped me know what I wanted and needed to do for the rest of my life. Be that vessel and that instrument to communicate God's truths to others. And so that is what I do in English and in Spanish all across the Americas, equipping women to connect to God and one another more deeply. I've had the opportunity to do that in missions, church planting, campus ministry, and women's ministry, of course. And that has taken place and it has taken forms in ways that only happen if we tell the Spirit, as Isaiah did, here am I, send me. And he equips us as we go along. I did have the blessing of growing up in a Christian home, did have the blessing of going to a Christian university, and it's not like I have not done some of the study and all of the training and all of those things that are required, but it really is more about just saying, okay, Spirit, use me. So as we look at these things today, I want to share with you what God has done to lead me and to lead others to get involved in what we launched almost five years ago called Iron Rose Sister Ministries comes from the verse about iron sharpening iron, encouraging and inspiring women to be as beautiful as a rose in spite of the thorns. But in all of those contexts that I had worked before, I saw a need. I was writing my own curriculum in all of those different Bible study contexts because everything else that I saw that was on the market was very much about future students and not about equipping to rotate the leadership and equip all of the women more of that round table concept if we want to go to <laughs> literature reference. And so 
being able to prepare the materials and prepare things in a way that really gave them the tools, inspired and equipped the women to do this themselves. Because that's what we want to do. That's really what it's all about. And so I'd seen that need in all of those contexts that God had put me and had me working. And some life circumstances led me to go, okay, God, if we're going to do this, I need to take the great leap of faith. So I quit my job and sold my house. One of my brothers-in-law offered to build me a room in his basement, and my sister said, yeah, come. <laughs> so I lived with them for two years when I got started with Iron Rose Sister Ministries. Mm. And in the way that God can only do things, almost in the way that is a vision from the Spirit, in the course of 24 hours, what God had been working on for more than 24 years, he had given me the name of the ministry, the image of the logo, the applications of some of those things, and just a very clear vision of what he was calling me and others to do. And when he makes it that clear, you say yes, sir. <coughs> so again, what is an Iron Rose sister? Why do we use that name? Well, because we are all looking for that authentic relationship, as women especially. We are so connected, but are we really connected? We want and we need those women that can be like iron sharpening iron in our life, that can encourage us to be as beautiful as a rose, and we're each different roses. I'm like the classic red rose. One of my other really good friends, she's like the blinged out pink rose. And we've got all, we've got one that's the anything but pink rose, and another who's the leopard print rose. You're like, that doesn't exist. Exactly, she's just her own person in that way. So we each bring different things to the table, and that's part of what makes that garden with God the Divine Gardener so beautiful. And the Spirit works through each of us in each of those different ways, and that's why we're the body. Because we need all of the different types and all of the different gifts and all the different talents. But we need those relationships that can be like iron sharpening iron. And as we are all familiar, being able to equip and bless the women in our churches is so impactful for the kingdom, for the family, for the community, for that local congregation, and the impact it has in the world. I was talking with an elder one time, and he was discouraged that he felt like his vote really didn't matter. And I said, well, you know, sometimes I get frustrated on that political scene that my vote may not matter. But what I can do to touch and impact one woman's life in her walk with God and in her walk with other women, that matters. And the ripple effect of that is so much greater. And so then I don't have to worry as much about my vote. And he said, thank you, sister. I needed that reminder. Mm -hmm. That's the difference that you make. And that's the difference we are making. So whether it's women who are opening their homes for house churches down in Rancagua <laughs> outside of Santiago, Chile, or in all kinds of other places, I'm going to show you other pictures and tell you other stories. And if you want to hear more, don't worry, I have plenty. <laughs> and I'll be here all week. But it comes out in all these different contexts because what we focus on is biblical teaching, spiritual nurturing, and mentoring discipleship. Because that really, especially for women, is so foundational. And all of that is found in scripture too, those examples and the ways in which all of that plays out. But for us, it plays out in different contexts all across the Americas. We partner with a local congregation to do the events, for example. We have do a lot of missionary care. As a former missionary, I've also lived in Venezuela. If I were speaking to you in Spanish, you'd have to forgive my Venezuelan accent. And the Cubans do that well, because it's a little bit more similar. So, um, 
but we do it through a lot of different contexts that I'm going to mention and tell a few stories with as it goes along. But these pictures of these faces, especially when we're able to equip and encourage some of those foreign locations, it makes such an impact for building up the missionary who is there on the ground day in, day out, and equipping the women in their congregation so that then everybody is a part of the work, not just all looking to the missionary or to the preacher or to the whoever. And you'll notice that not all of these are North American missionaries. Many of these are from the native country that they are in, or they are from another country that has moved to a different country. Missionary takes on many forms. Not just the North American white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed person going into a place that they don't fit in. It's sometimes about us going across the street. God has led us by his spirit to equip women in all 19 Spanish-speaking countries across Latin America and over half of the 50 states. I'm going to show you some maps in a little bit, and if you don't see roses in certain areas that you have connections, please come talk with me because we would love to equip more women in more of those locations. And these numbers, really, we don't know sometimes all the impact because we can only know what we can know and we can do what we can do because then we let the Spirit take it from there because he's the one that led us to that point to begin with. But I do have to tell you one story, and it's of Anita in Cuba. I met Anita last year when I went down and did an event in um, Veragua, Veragua City all of a sudden. Um, no, it's not Veragua. <laughs> in the place where I was in Matanza. There we go. Um, there's a neighboring city that starts with a V that now I can't remember the name of. But anyway, we were in Matanza, and she had come for a ladies' conference that I was doing for two days. And she was really hesitant to even come because it was going to be on her birthday. And this was the first time in their more than 30 years of marriage that she was not going to be with her husband on her birthday. But she said, well, I don't know. I've heard things you know, about this sister. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Okay. So she went and then wasn't planning to stay for the second day of the conference. But after the first day, she said, oh, yeah, no, i got to be here again. <laughs> she was so encouraged, so inspired, so equipped because she grew up in a Pentecostal church. And when she came to become a Christian and was baptized and met her husband who, it was because of at a bus stop, her, more of her story is on our blog, the April 18th post. She shares this story and more. So I encourage you to go to our website and read even more of her story. But when she shared it, she said that she stopped at a bus stop and had some time to wait, about a half hour to kill, and it was right across from the Church of Christ. So she was curious, and then there she met her husband, and it was love at first sight, and <laughs> God took care of the rest. But as she came to faith, and as she joined with him in working with the Church of Christ, her dad, who was a Pentecostal minister, told her, what are you doing? You're not even going to be able to work. You're not even going to be able to do anything. Because especially in Cuba at that point, the women were not able to do hardly anything. She felt so restricted even to do what God had called her to do with and among the other women there. So when we met, the spirit gave us just an immediate connection as a kindred spirit in the spirit. She took the materials from the classes and already started encouraging and equipping other women across all of Cuba. She messaged me and she said, would it be possible, is it okay 
if I take some of the things that we learned and, and share it with some of the other women to encourage them and to teach them in this third grade? Um, yes, <laughs> please. Like that's the whole idea. Did I not say that enough times when I was talking? Please take that. Please do that. So then I was able to send her a copy of each of the books that I've written that are designed for these kinds of equipment things. And she now goes all over rural Cuba and teaches and encourages and inspires all of these women. And we have so many Cuban women now that also sign up to receive our blog via email. Some of these women who don't know what the internet is, much less get it, as Anita put it, now know how to fight Satan's lies with the truth of God's word. Because that's even what one of the whole books focuses on. Anita is like the poster child example of why we do what we do. Because when we can equip and inspire one to equip and inspire another, that's the pattern. That's the whole idea. That's Christ's design. And the Spirit takes our efforts and multiplies them in a way that only He can. That's just one story of many. But as you can see, through those conferences, through those kinds of events, they're very interactive. I like to make them very workshop style, so I'll do the teaching, and then in small groups, you'll discuss it. And I provide those kind of materials ahead of time so that you're able to really interact with it, make it very personal and practical. And again, when we do these visits, what I love to do is do something that follows the pattern of Paul's missionary journeys. And so we do a first visit, and then we do a second visit, and then we continue in communication and in follow-up and in all of those other things. But then the third visit is maybe a little bit later, but you see that kind of a pattern. So like, for example, and then you know, I'm not expecting you to read these locations, and there are other places that we've gone, but you see the pattern of that first and second and third visit. So like, for example, in 2016, here I am in Lima, Peru, building some of those relationships, making some of those connections, equipping some of those women, and then here I am in 2017. And you notice it's even a little bit bigger group and more women that we were able to connect with and equip. And actually just yesterday, I got a, a Facebook message and picture from some of the women in one of the congregations there thanking me so much because they had just finished one of the books and they were so excited, had learned so much, and can't wait till they get another one. That's what it's all about. So these are all kinds of numbers, and for you numbers people, here you go. But the biggest part of this that I want you to see is how immediately we started and just have kept going, but we're kind of tapping out where we can go because I'm the only one that works with us full time. We have others that are working with us in different ways and we're equipping others to equip others, but that's a lot of work to walk through and manage. The other thing I want you to see is how many more congregations we are reaching and impacting. Because then we're also, not just by individual women, but the number of churches that we're able to do those events in, then the impact of that into their home congregations, and then, then the ripple effect of that is even greater. Teaching others to teach others to teach others. That's why I love that it's Second Timothy 2.2. Two. It's like two, 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 <laughs> and on and on. That's the model. So it's not like we're doing anything new. We're following all of those biblical strategies, but we're putting this in the context of what God has called us to and the spirit is equipping us to do in equipping and blessing women in English, in Spanish, and bilingual context. So in that teaching to teach, to teach, to teach, 
We're based out of Searcy, Arkansas, so I get a lot of connections with Harding students. And with my background in campus ministry, that makes it even more fun. I love to take those students in and really mentor them. So for example, Katie Finch, what she was at the time, she's now married, Carrie Pon Katie Ponsole, she um, interned with me in 2015. Then the next year, she was down and working in Guatemala and teaching and using some of the same materials and things that she had used. And I was actually even able to go down and visit her and visit that work that she was working with that summer. And just to see the multiplication and the fruit of that. Mackenzie uh, interned with me this past summer and there she is, I've given her the opportunity to teach when we were doing one of the things in Chile while we were down there. And then this is her doing some missionary care with me in Peru where we were also able to do some teaching. But being able to equip and inspire others, especially other young women and how God is calling them to serve and to work in ministry is so vital. But it's not just college students. These are some high schoolers, these two right here, CJ and Rachel, that meet with seventh graders. And they attended a bilingual event that I did in Tennessee back in February. And these two girls were the ones leading singing in Spanish at the bilingual event. <laughs> I was so proud of them and I just met them. They're like my new best friends. You can read about them more in our newsletter, but it was so encouraging to find those that are hungry to do what God has called them to do and then to equip them with the tools to do that. So this is the Tuesday after we had the event and them using the bookmarks that I just gave you with those girls because it's a way of making anything very personal and practical. And I'll tell you about that in a second because the common threads, this was one of those things that the spirit in that like 24 hour vision gave me as an application of this is why I want you to do this for the logo. This is some of the application of this. If you didn't get a bookmark, I'll be sure you get one before you leave. But the rose represents an area in which you want to grow or bloom. The stem is the thorn that you would like to remove or that you maybe God is saying my grace is sufficient for you and was this false thorn. But if that thorn is a sin, you've got to eliminate it. And then the nail represents an area in which you want to dig deeper or you need someone to hold you accountable to be that iron sharpening iron with each other. And then we also share an encouraging word or a message of hope or a scripture in that context as well. But that's what we call the common thread. So whether it's your own personal devotional time, whether it's one of the keynotes or one of the other classes, all of these are tools and ways that we can make it very personal and practical. So then when we're doing this in a small group context, which as you've noticed, we're very passionate about, then you're able to get into that next layer of spiritual depth and authenticity with one another. Because we're not just praying for grandma who's sick, which is wonderful to do. But we're praying over those spiritual battles that we are facing. We're encouraging each other and we're giving each other that permission to be accountable, to be encouraging, to be that iron sharpening iron. And we realize we're not alone in our struggles because that's one of Satan's biggest tools is to have us think that we're alone in that. So what's one of the other applications in which you see the common threads is at the end of the chapters of each of the books that have been written so far. The design of the books is to be simple enough for anyone to leave, but deep enough for everyone to grow. And so you can take it as deep as you want and make some of that application even more personal for how it fits in the context of each of the churches or groups that you're working with. Because it's designed to be a, an, a, an instrument or a guide, not a script. So the first book is called Human and Holy. These are not in any particular order. They're each standalone book. 
It's a 13-week study that looks at the life and the example of Jesus and how he showed us that there's a difference between human nature and sinful nature. We can be human with all of the different human emotions and conditions that we face, but we can handle that in a holy way just as he did. I had a struggle with that personally, which is what even inspired this, because I had to understand that I misunderstood the condemning of the flesh in Romans 8. So when I was able to look at the text, the Spirit led me to a greater understanding and appreciation, and I fell more in love with Jesus as a human through that process. And so this kind of walks you through how he dealt with anger, how he dealt with misunderstandings, how he dealt with being hungry, thirsty, and interrupted. Just those human things that we all deal with, but how he handled it in a holy way. So these are some ladies in Costa Rica that are in the middle of the study right now, and um, they send me pictures each week, and I love it. And I actually did a um, video conference with them long distance to be able to kick off their first study, so I know some of the names and faces now with them, even though I haven't been to Costa Rica yet. There are women there using the materials and being very encouraged, um, even just that long distance way. The second book is called In God's Right Hand, Whom Shall I Fear? More than 60 times across the Old and New Testament, we see a reference to God's right hand. Well, the reference to his right hand in Isaiah 41 became so real to me because he refers to his right hand taking our right hand. So we have to be facing each other to take each other. That's your left hand. Are you doing okay, Jeff? Yeah. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> okay. That's okay. It's okay. The point is, we have to be facing each other. Because if it were your left hand, say we could do this. But see, with our right hand, yeah. And so I saw God really just embracing me, taking my right hand and his right hand. And when that verse became so alive, then all of the other references to his right hand just started jumping out at me at scripture. It's one of the few references that transcends both testaments. So I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta dig into this. So this book actually even includes a glossary at the end with all the references to his right hand. And it's interesting too to look at the different versions and see what different other contexts in which that plays out and how it's described. So anyway, that was a six week study. So it looks at six summary descriptions of his right hand. And a really cool story about that is actually another Cuban story um, because the lady that won that book in the drawing is someone who has been battling cancer and had felt that God had been carrying her through that process. So when she won the book in God's right hand, she was like, it's like him taking me and affirming that he's continuing to carry me through this. And I said, amen, sister. That is the spirit who coordinated that so that you were the one that won that one. And my picture with her is so small and so fuzzy that I can't put it up there, but I hope and pray that I'll get to see her again because her cancer is back, but God is faithful so that we can get a really good picture together that we correspond almost weekly. And so you can pray for Mercedes. I call her Meche. She loves that I have like that, that endearing term for her. So you can pray for her and her battle with cancer right now, that God will continue to carry her in his right hand. The third book is another 13 weeks, and it's called Who Has the Last Word? Cutting Through Satan's Lies with the Truth of God's Word. In this one, I include what I call a lie truth chart. And so you recognize the lie in your own words. You replace the lie with truth. 
and then you remember the truth through a specific scripture. And this really deals with those personal lies that we are all fighting, especially as women, because Satan really wants to attack and tell us you're alone, you're not enough, happiness is the ultimate goal, God is punishing you for your past, sexual lies, grace means you have to be tolerant, lies like that, that he really gets at it. But he does it in a way that makes it very personal to each and every one of us. But we have more of those things in common. This is the thickest book because it includes so many women's stories of how they overcame those lies through the truth of God's word. Because Jesus himself, when he was tempted, how did he shut Satan up? With scripture. So what, how would we handle his attack? With scripture. This one has been, this one has was the longest labor of love to write and has had the greatest impact as far as equipping most women in fighting those lies. So, um, and we've got all of the books over here and I've got a booth over in the sandbar. So if you would like to flip through, explore, we've got all kinds of stuff and I would love to talk with you. And I'm gonna leave some time at the end for questions as well. But here are some ladies down in Maracaibo, Venezuela. I don't know how many of you are aware of the situation in Venezuela right now, but being able to really encourage our Venezuelan brothers and sisters in the current situation in that country that is so painful, this is how I'm able to visit. This is how I'm able to continue to stay connected with so many that for me are family. I've worked there um, for the past 20 years basically and lived there full time for four years. Uh, and so it's a, it's one of my many second homes. Um, this world is not my home, is kind of one of my other mantras because God has blessed me with the opportunity to live and work in so many places. But that's when you get to see how big God is and how much his spirit is moving and working and living and having his being in so many ways in so many places. The fourth book is, who is um, called to listen and it has 40 days of listening exercises. So the design of each of the books is to be done individually and then you get with your small group and discuss what you have been learning or what you have been hearing during that previous week. This one each week has a little bit different focus. First week we're listening to the Good Shepherd because the sheep know his voice, right? Then we're listening to the Creator. So you listen to the different things in creation and each exercise has a little bit different design and twist and some will resonate with you more than others but that's part of why there are so many different exercises the next three weeks are listening to the father the son and the holy spirit and then the last five days are listening through the five senses so as with each of the other books you <coughs> interact with it you can't do it without your bible right next to you and then you get together with a small group and with this one it's called weekly reflection and so you share together in what you've been hearing and then you share in the common threads as to how you can encourage each other and spiritually be that iron sharpening iron for one another in those same areas. And last year, what we do every two years is what we call a destination retreat. And we did our retreat based on the theme also called to listen. And actually I have even the retreat booklet and the audio from this and from many of the classes that I've done everywhere is available through our website. We have a great website, we have a great web designer who's sitting on the back row. <laughs> But being able to make more of these kinds of resources available through our website has been tremendous. 
Because again, it's multiplying our efforts and making more of those resources available uh, to more women. And so we have a lot of fun with a theme like called to listen. You're going to get all kinds of fun pictures of the ears and we're going to talk about how different ways that animals hear, but that they don't have hearing with the purpose of listening and listening implies relationships. You can imagine some of the things that come out from that and the discussion. It was some really good things. When I talk about the books, I can throw up numbers here about how many books we have sold or distributed, but that doesn't reflect the one book that's in one place that a group of 15 women will use, and then they'll pass that dog-eared copy on to another group of 15 women mm -hmm. that will use, and then in other places, everybody has their own book. We also, as you notice on each of the slides at the bottom, it says subsidized in Latin America. Through donations, we subsidize the cost of the books into Latin America. We want them to still pay something for the book because then there's the ownership and the buy-in and just the responsibility of, I've purchased this, I'm committed to doing this. But we don't make it to where the cost is prohibitive. And so through the donations, we subsidize the cost. And then even you can ask those that are uh, with me, my dad and my friend Wendy, um, Last night and this morning, we were trying to coordinate getting everybody connected in El Salvador because I've got a suitcase of books that's on its way to El Salvador right now because we get those books transported through people's excess luggage and second suitcases and things like that because it helps keep the cost down. Because it helps keep the materials going directly from us to the people that need the materials instead <coughs> of getting all caught up in a customs issue or getting all caught up in a shipping thing or all that kind of stuff. It means a little bit more logistics and a little bit more coordination on our part. But because of what we know the impact it's going to have, it's worth the hassle. And so that is part of how we do it and part of how we make it possible. And what it does is it creates a network of women all across the Americas that realize I'm not alone in my struggles. There are others that are fighting these same lies that I'm fighting. There are others that are seeking to listen to God. There are others that he is holding in his right hand. There are others that are struggling with what it means to be human and how do I do this? We are not in this alone. So in our first year as a ministry, I was in Alaska, Argentina, California, and DC. <coughs> That's part of what God does. That's part of how his spirit works. And so I'm showing you this map, but this actually, I need to put even a few more roses on here. And yes, those are roses, not paw prints. Somebody thought it was paw prints. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's the name of the ministry? <laughs> so I gave you another clue with my shirt. Yeah. Um, so if you see, wait, why does she not have a, please come talk to me because we would love to equip more and more women all across the U.S., and one of the ways in which we do that that's very unique to our ministry, as I mentioned, I mentioned things about the U.S., I mentioned some things about Latin America, but one of the ways in which very few are doing this is in a bilingual context. So I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by doing a bilingual event, because we do it a little differently than anybody else does. I call Spanish my nerdy passion and God my personal. When we do the bilingual events, I get to be Michelle y Michelle. <laughs> well, sometimes I think that, yes. We completely changed your posture. Intentionally. Yes, <laughs> Intentionally. Yeah, you got to get the Latina flair, right? <laughs> but I am able to communicate because when I, I don't just translate the book. 
I write the books in English and I write the books in Spanish. I have had the blessing of being able to have a lot of years of experience throughout Latin America, a lot of the different cultural contexts, a lot of the different linguistic contexts. My master's is in Spanish linguistics. And I, my thesis, I studied what social and religious factors influence biblical interpretation. I mean, I get into the whole nerdy, passionate stuff because, as I told you from that first story of when the Spirit spoke through me in Venezuela, I was hooked. I wanted to do everything I could to be able to be the best instrument of God to transmit his message across some of those cultural and linguistic lines. And so being able to provide that kind of a bridge and that kind of an example in these bilingual events is powerful. So for example, we will gather together and everybody is all together for all of the registration, all of the early morning fellowship, whether they do a little breakfast kind of thing or not. We do all of the worship together. We do all of the prayers and all of those kind of those intro things with everybody all together. Then, for example, I will speak first in English while the Spanish speaking women meet in small groups in another part of the building. And I provide the material ahead of time that is either in preparation for or follow up from the class that I'm teaching. Then they switch. So then, for example, I would do the teaching in Spanish while the English-speaking women meet in small groups. And then, usually, we extend the lunchtime and we do a non-language-based activity in conjunction with the lunch. So, for example, if I was in the red Spanish-speaking group when we divided out, and you were in the red English-speaking group when we divided out, when it comes to lunchtime, all of us that were in the red groups all sit together and are working on this together and are fellowshipping together. Because you may not think that you speak Spanish, but I guarantee you, you can say hola better than my friend who said hola <laughs> that I was telling you about in Venezuela, right? <laughs> and there are more of those women that can say hello and smile and we can have these shared experiences and realize that those barriers are only things that we are working on. The spirit is working to tear them down and we have so much more in common and so much more of a blessing that we can take advantage of and be blessed by when we have that time together. So that's just a snapshot of some of the ways in which we, for example, come in and do a bilingual event that is unique and that is very bridge building. We also try and do it as an area-wide type thing so that we're inviting a lot of others. Um, but there are congregations that have those English and the Spanish speaking groups that meet in two parts of the building, but they never really connect. And then the next Sunday, they're all going, hey, even that wave and smile makes a huge difference. There are other strategies, there are other activities, there are other opportunities, and so I even <laughs> consult with a lot of different churches that are trying to find ways, especially through their women and women's ministry and through their families, to do that. You can do movie nights, where you actually put the movie in Spanish with English subtitles, just so that the English speakers can understand what happens to the Spanish speakers when they go to the movies. Things like that, a cartoon, Disney-type movies so that it's, you know, one that everybody can understand. Lots of different ways of doing that. I'm also very involved with some different studies and things there locally in Cersei, whether it's in English or in Spanish. Again, I love working with students, so being able to mentor them. And for many of them, it's the first time they're able to get into a Bible study in the language that they're learning. So giving them that vocabulary and that understanding to be able to train them for what they're gonna be doing. Uh, Central America, 
Like I said, I've got some books on their way to El Salvador because I'll be down there in August and want to get to get them there ahead of time before I'll be there. I'll be there at the national conference. I've actually even been interviewed on national Nicaraguan TV. If you want to see a video of that interview, it's available on our website and on our YouTube channel. So all kinds of fun stuff with that, yeah. Um, Guatemala, Honduras, the Baxter Institute did a um, series for their, um, they do their own version of a lectureship, so I did a series for the women during that lectureship there. South America, you see all the Venezuelan roses because of me having lived there, you know, lots of connections, but all the way down to the Southern Cone, and there are more women I could go along to a down further south that recently contacted me, but I haven't put their rose down there yet. It is a blessing to be able to be used by God and to be a mouthpiece for the Spirit. And I pray that wherever you are and in whatever context that looks like, you're able to do that for yourself. Because that's one of the biggest blessings that I can come away from today with, is inspiring you to do that where you are. But I would also love for you to join us in prayer and join us in what God's doing through us. Because the harvest of what we are doing is very plentiful and the workers are few and needing to grow. <laughs> when I come to conferences, I pray for divine appointments. Because God knows how to use his spirit to nudge somebody, to nudge somebody, to connect us together, to be able to do what he is wanting to accomplish. And so I trust that maybe even somebody in this room or somebody that you're gonna talk with or somebody that I didn't even know that's watching us through Facebook Live, hi! <laughs> is going to be able to hear that nudge from the spirit, to feel that, to join with us and to partner with us in prayer, financially, as a worker, or in whatever other ways. Because we really do need your help. Um, we are almost five years old as a ministry. So yes, everything you've been seeing and hearing has happened in less than five years. Is God good? And he works powerfully if we say, here am I, send me, and use me. But there are lots of different ways and opportunities that you can help whether it's helping equip others um, in using some of our resources or in other ways, helping um, spread the word, helping subsidize books. We actually have a specific need that we are trying to, um, we have an opportunity to get 200 books to some women at a conference in Venezuela. And like I said, with the situation that is there in the country right now, um, being able to encourage them and let them know that we are not just taking care of their humanitarian needs, but we are praying into their spiritual needs in the midst of what all is going on. And so that's a specific need right now that, um, and an opportunity that we have. Um, they're also, for some of our audio and video resources, we're trying to really step up and take the next step in that because of how many that are accessing and are wanting to be able to tap into some of those resources and the multiplied effort that we can do through some of that. Those are some of the other specific um, additional needs that we are trying to grow in right now. So um, you may even be talented in some of those areas to help us in those in those areas in those ways. And so we would love for you to use your gifts and your talents um, because yes, it's the Spirit working through us, but He has to have the us to work through. Here am I, send me. 
you can write blog posts, you can help with videos and marketing, you can do all kinds of different things. You can even travel with me. You can be an advocate for the ministry in your town. Um, you can help partner with us, whether it's you individually or your church, to, um, to help support what God is doing through us to equip women to connect to God and one another, one another more deeply across the Americas. It really is what God has called us to do and what we want to do back. Um, I wanted to, I intentionally wanted to leave some time for questions and comments, and I've got books and newsletters and all kinds of other material back there. Um, you can find us on Facebook, you can follow us on Instagram, you can um, connect with us through email. Our website has tons of additional resources. There's actually even what I call an e-pedal study. E because it's electronic, you can only download it through our website, and pedal because it's one lesson, not the whole rose. Really cheesy. <laughs> But it works. Um, so there's a, an e-pedal study available. There's a second one that's about to be available later this summer. Um, the first one looks at Ruth and Naomi as a deeper look of that relationship as Iron Rose sisters, how they kind of even took turns being strong for one another. So if you go to our website and go to resources, free resources, you'll find it on that page. There are all kinds of other resources that are available. Um, our blog, you can sign up and receive that in English. It comes out on Wednesday. In Spanish, we actually um, will publish them on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because we have so many additional readers. There are other um, resources like that available in English, and so being able to send them out once a week is adequate in English. And in Spanish, we have so many that are hungry, especially the Cuban women that are finding somebody that has internet and finding somebody to print it off so that then that can be like their uh, devotional thought and then meet uh, their inspiration for their lady study. So, um, so lots of different ways to get connected and to take advantage of some of the resources that we offer and to be able to spread the word for others that can be able to take advantage of those as well. Any questions or comments or? We have plans to do videos of the trials and outpouring. Yes. Some of them we already have, and some of those are already available through our YouTube channel. Um, the plan is actually to make more and more of those available because just that kind of that face-to-face -face interaction and some of those, that is actually one of our biggest next goals. So, but we just need some of the right people and resources to help make that happen. That way you don't have to be everywhere at the same time, yes. which is impossible. Yes. And that is the goal, but the other part of that is because of what we do in that missionary care side of things, there is, there is just something that's invaluable with that face-to-face -face time, that um, those carpet picnics where you're just being real and you're saying, this is what's really going on, and this is what we really need prayers over, and this is where we can really be encouraged. And so the, the trips will still happen. They still have the priority that they have and the tremendous ripple impact that they have. But we want to be able to multiply some of our other efforts. So that's why we're trying to increase some of those video and audio resources, but without neglecting some of the trip side because of what that really is able to do. I saw another hand, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, is the curriculum, um, I know it's in English and Spanish. Yes. Is it kind of specially designed for with a Spanish speaker in mind, or is it an American woman also? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, I, I, I spoke more to the Latin American side and gave more examples of those that are using the materials across Latin America, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of women all over the U.S. 
that are also using the Good Fridays here in Reno. Their, their church just finished Human and Holy, and they're starting another one. Um, there are, I mean, uh, the map showed even some of all of the, I mean, I could give you stories of different women here in the states, North American women, you mm -hmm. know, traditional American women, that um, yet have definitely used the materials. The, the context sometimes ends up being a little different, and um, some people use it as their traditional, you know, the sacred Tuesday morning Bibles ladies Bible study time. Mm -hmm. They use it in that context. Um, and I'm glad you all understood the tongue-in-cheek way that I was saying <laughs> that. Um, but there are others that use it actually, they um, are in larger cities, and they are, for example, in Atlanta. And they're not able to get to a place to do like that Tuesday morning study because they're working or the Tuesday night study because by the time the traffic allows them to get home, they can't make it to a study too and that kind of thing. So some of them meet at like a Starbucks near where they work and study together and then go home after the traffic's died down. Mm -hmm. So the whole design and idea is that it be a guide, not a script, and you make it your own. And so when I say small group, ideally you're talking between two and eight women. Because even with just two of you, two or three, you're able to really get into some deeper discussion. Any more than eight, and you have those that are more reserved that are not going to speak up. You have those that are going to feel a little bit more intimidated, and just it's not a small group anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when I say small group, I mean between two and eight. And it can be used in other contexts, mm -hmm. but that's the ideal setting in which you're really going to see that transformation in those deeper relationships, and they can really be iron Road sisters for each other. Thank you, that was an excellent question. So if you, I as an English Spanish speaker, was had the English book and someone else had the Spanish book, yes. you said you didn't translate them, so would it be similar enough? It is very, it is extremely similar. What I mean is the content is the same, but like linguistically, and like well, even when I'm writing the English, I'm making sure that it's going to be understood in Spanish. Or when I'm writing the Spanish, I'm making sure it's going to be understood in English because I do know both things. So they are literally on the same page. Not same page number, okay. but on the same page <laughs> as far as content. Spanish is more wordy. <laughs> and so, for example, in Denver, I have a group of women that because of the different generational um, groups that they are, the grandma has her book in Spanish. The mom, depending on what age she was when she migrated to the U.S., either has her book in English or Spanish, because we have one of each, and then the granddaughter had her book in English, because she is much more comfortable reading and writing in English. And they were all on the same page and all in the same study. I have other women that have used it. Um, the person that's cleaning her house is Spanish-speaking. And so she started out, even as a way of studying the Bible with her, she had her book in English, and the, and the, uh, the lady that cleans her house had her book in Spanish, and so they would meet earlier for the house cleaning or stay later for the house cleaning one day and they would do the study together using the book. So yes, very much designed to even be used in those bilingual contexts and sometimes if someone's more comfortable in one language or the other and the other person, then it's very, yes, they are the same content. I just mean that sometimes when you're translating something, you're trying so hard to you don't know what the person was getting at <laughs> when they wrote it in the first language. And so it ends up being more of a disconnect. This is actually even more connected and more exact in the content parallel because of the way I'm authoring it and things like that. Okay. Great question. Michelle, do you 
recommend people start? Is it first book and then is it the second book? Or what's, how do you plug people into which book is best for them? The spirit takes care of that. And I'm not just saying that because that's the theme of this week. I mean, there are people that really are drawn to one more than another. And that is the spirit that is leading them to this is where this is where I need to be. So um, sequentially, if they miss the first one, it no, they are each a total standalone. Independent. They are independent of each other, and that's that's part of the design. There are two different lengths. One is a six, you know, two of them are six week studies, and two of them are thirteen week studies. We alternate which which was one we put out because sometimes different formats. You know, there are people that meet weekly, there are people that meet bi-monthly, there are people that meet, and so sometimes you, it works better to have one that's more of a 13-week or more of a six-week. But I have people that have done the 13-week studies as their entire thing for the year because they really wanted to dig in and really just take their time and do it at their own pace. Wonderful! It's a guide, not a script. So that's part of that idea as well. Thank you for that question. Two questions, if I can remember them. Um, the first one being, do you have like a, a more of like a teacher book where there's English and Spanish together in the same book? No. But there is a facilitator's guide in the books so that someone who is like, I've never done this before, they can feel walked along with, hey, it's okay. You know, awkward silence is okay. Give people a chance to think about their answers, you know? And it gives them also, too, in the chapters, there's a small version of the logo, and that means, hey, this would be good for a discussion question. Because you're not necessarily going to go through all of the content. You get to pick and choose which parts of it you think are going to most connect with you or are most going to connect with your group. It's there as a resource, and then you're able to pull out what you think is going to be good and relevant for when it comes to the small group time together. Do you remember and the second one? I think I just didn't hear the larger book you said that there's like more stories and more yes. testimonies how many weeks was that one 13 13 okay yes i think i wrote down 16 <laughs> 16 dollars oh. 13 <laughs> weeks oh, oh, see? Right. Oh. <laughs> i knew the 16 was there somewhere. it was there somewhere yes yes okay yes and is there homework like during the week when you're so yes the the ideally everyone's homework is doing the chapter on their own and then you get together and you discuss so but there are, reality is there are often people that come that have not done it and you get out of it as much as you put into it and so we just make that clear we don't you know oh you didn't do your chapter you can't come in tonight no because the spirit kind of helps fill in some of those gaps but ideally everybody does their chapter the week ahead and then you discuss it, and then you do the next chapter for the week ahead. And that all is explained in the, it's, there's a portion that says IRSM Bible study format. It's in each of the books, too. So that's why each one is independent. You've got everything you need right there. As father, I would encourage some men to get on his blog and look at some of the resources. They're good. They transcend. <laughs> They're written for women, yes, but we can learn a few things. Thanks, Dad. I didn't pay him to say that. Um, I thank you for your time and for your attention. Um, we've got some of those resources and things. If you didn't get a bookmark, I especially want everybody to get a bookmark. 
Um, and then we will be here through the rest of the week with a table in the sandbar. Go to the Jamba Juice and hang a left or above the cafeteria. So um, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Thank you for your questions. And I would love to stay in touch and continue conversing about some of these different opportunities. And things. So thank you.